You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Amen and amen. Well, we've been talking about the Jesus culture, and we started with the word culture, okay? And we are now on evangelism, the evangelism culture, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the, proclaiming the, so we started by saying that he that wins um, souls is why? So if you win souls, you are, you are displaying the wisdom of God. You are displaying the wisdom of God. Now, if this particular word does not make your heart glad, there's something wrong with your believing. Um, if, if this particular message doesn't gladden your heart, then... I will really I will really ask again how you got born again because this is the heartbeat of God you were born again to get another person born again you were saved to save others but the problem has been that um we come to church as usual. And for us, coming to church is when I have dressed so powerfully and I look sharp and my makeup is tight and on point. And my shoe is matching with my bag. And I have some swag and I walk in you know like a model and sit down and I have everybody's attention come to me, you know, and occasionally I wake up and, and the smell of my perfume makes everybody turn around. Yes. And the preaching goes on and I shout, Jesus! You know, <laughs> yes. And I say, preach on, pastor, preach on, pastor, preach on, pastor. You know, uh -huh. and I feel very high. And then after church, I shake a few brothers and sisters. Oh, church was powerful. God is wonderful. God is glorious. And I go home. And I come back again next week. For most of us, this is church. This is church. How we came to believe and live this is what I still cannot fathom. How we came to believe, the, how we got here, I still cannot understand. That we can comfortably come, comfortably, sorry, come week after week after week after week, not winning anybody, and we feel cool and okay. It doesn't rock us. We don't feel burdened. No. No, I don't know how we got here. I don't know. And this is not exclusive to here. If you look at the body of Christ today, that's the feature. We do church as you
Well, when we looked at Acts of the Apostles, we realized that it was the very opposite. It was the very opposite. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Even at the time of persecution, when they were chased out, when they even went to where they were chased to, they didn't hide. They were still preaching in persecution. Ah, what happened to this church now? Please tell me what happened. Do you know that when they are coming to church today, we have a laundry list of what we want God to do for us. Hello? Oh, are you here? Okay, how many of you are in relationships? Lift up your hands, let me see. No, 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 I mean, you'll be in one relationship or another. No matter what relationship it is, whether husband or wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, boss and, and subordinate, auntie and, and niece, Whatever relationship, if you are in any kind of relationship, lift up your hands. As for this, my church. <laughs> now, <laughs> you see, we have to do a movie title. Pastor Jay and his people. <laughs> they are too smart for my liking. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, so how many of you would love it that anytime you come to them or they come to you, they have a laundry list of things they want you to do for them? And they don't care in any way about you. How many of you? Would you love it? You feel sick in that kind of relationship, right? It irritates you. You feel used. Is that true? So ask them, why do we do that? That's why most of us are religious but we are not in relationship with the Lord Jesus. Church members have become users. We use the Lord. He's not the one using us. Hello? I'm sure you don't like the punchline. But do you think it's a fact? The point is that no matter how we are, he still does all that we ask for for us. Because for most of us, we know that the things that come to us, we truly don't deserve them. And yet he does them. And it doesn't in any way wake us up to say, let me show gratitude. He saved you to save others. And that is his heartbeat. If you love somebody, you do their heartbeat. Oh, is that true? Now, I said that one of the reasons the apostles were so motivated 
to share the gospel is because they understood the plight of the unsaved. They know that they were once regarded as sinners. The wrath of God was kindled upon them. If they died, they were going to hell. They had no access to God. They had to do so many things. For example, the Jews would have to do a lot of rituals to be accepted. And when they sinned, they had to pay for it in several ways. Some were struck by thunder, lightning. If they came to God's presence, they didn't come to a loving God. They came to a fearsome God. But because of Christ, everything changed. Because Christ became the game changer. All of a sudden, they had become the lovers of God. They don't need to do anything to gain his favor. They already have his favor because of Christ Jesus. Now if they die, they enter into eternal bliss. So they said, if I love Lord and I have gotten this wonderful relationship, the first thing I got to do is to introduce Lord to it. That what I have gotten, Lord will also have it. Oh, praise the Lord. Do you introduce people to the products that you use that are good? You hold their hands and you take them there. Hey, here are they. I'm talking about product. So they ask you, hey, these days your face is very smooth. I like the way your face is looking. And they tell them, okay, I've gotten this lady, eh? and this product, oh my word. And then you book a time with the lady and all of you. If you don't have a car, you pick... Hmm. You have time to leave your office, your busy schedule, and you go with them and you introduce the product to them. And then in the next two, three weeks when you look at their faces and you can see that they also have a smooth face. You say, I told you. I told you. It's a good product. You see, I told you. Product. It engages your attention. It takes your focus. You show your heart of love. And we are talking about life here. Life eternal. The gift of God. That money cannot buy. They don't need to do anything. You don't need to take Uber. You don't need to do anything. You share the word to them and within that microsecond, eternally they are saved. How that becomes so difficult for you, I don't understand. Now, don't you think that I've preached this message twice. That is on Sunday and then on Wednesday. Don't you think that this place should be filled up even to the overflow? Because you listened and you decided to introduce them to the product, Christ Jesus. I think 
what the apostles understood, we still don't understand. Because when I talk about the plight of the unsaved, Emmanuel, can I engage you? If you see this young man, who is younger than you, he has a Rolls Royce. He's a billionaire. He travels anytime he wants to. He actually has a private jet. He's living lavishly. You have Christ. He doesn't. The honest truth is that. Do you see his plight as worse as yours? You think he's better than you. Are you saying this because I'm asking you? <laughs> but for most of us, the truth is that when you see them, you envy them. Because they, had, they have made you feel that your worth is in how wealthy or rich you are. Yes. So you see, the believer who has Christ, if they don't have what that man or that woman has, they see that woman as better than them. So if I talk about the plight of the unsaved, as a matter of fact, it doesn't come to them. Why should I even go and talk to this guy? Because for me, I came to Christ to have all the things they have. That is my motivation for salvation. And they don't have Christ. And yet, they have all of these. So they don't even need my Christ. I rather need them. They don't need me. That is what Christianity has been made. They make you feel that your worth is in the abundance of the goods you have. And your worth is not in your salvation, your eternal life. So you don't regard that one. Now, watch this. Do you know that the poorest American an American citizen who is so poor doesn't have anything sees himself better than the richest Ghanaian. Hello? Talk to me. Because the wealth of that American, listen, is not in what he has. He has been made to know that his wealth is just because he's an American. And so, an 18-year-old boy will look in your face as a Ghanaian. When you have queued and queued and queued, wanting to go to his country, and he will tell you, if I look at your face, if you go, you will come back.
Because, listen, he doesn't care what you have. He doesn't care how much you have in your account. It doesn't make any waves to him. Because so far as he's an American, he's better than you. The worth of the believer is not in the things they have. The worth in the believer is who they are. That they belong to Christ. Now, that is your worth. And that is bigger than anything that is added as a bonus. Let them have everything else. It can never be exchanged with the quality of life you have. When you die today, you still have hope because you will live in eternal bliss. Oh, praise God. Jesus, help me. Now, I want to read something. Give me Psalm 49. I want everybody to read this. Look at David's understanding. Even in that time, when Christ, the promised one, had not come. And honestly speaking, when I see believers today, sometimes my heart weeps. Because we don't know who we are. And we don't know what we have. Praise God. Let's all read this. Go. Listen. Everyone. High and low. Rich and poor. All around the world. Listen to my words. For they are wise and filled with insight. I will tell in song accompanied with harps the answer to one of life's most perplexing problems. Wonderful. Next. There is no need to fear when times of trouble come, even though surrounded by enemies. They trust in their wealth and boast about how rich they are. Yet, not one of them Though rich as kings, can ransom his own brother from the penalty of sin. You have been ransomed from the penalty of sin. Do you know what sin gives? The wages of sin. The salary of sin. And you, as you sit down with your pocket empty and your account empty, and you may be sleeping in a hat and don't have a pillow to even sleep on, the penalty of sin cannot catch you. You are free. Are you getting it? And with their riches and their wealth, they cannot buy that. From today, when you see an unsaved man or woman, pity them. And go and win them for Christ. Because they need him. Continue. Go. I want us all to read it. Go. For God's forgiveness does not come that way. For a soul is far too precious to be ransomed by mere earthly wealth. Are you here? Okay, continue. There is not enough of it in all the earth to buy eternal life for just one soul to keep it out of hell.
So put all the wealthiest men together and their riches. It cannot buy one soul. One soul. And you don't know what you've got? What it means is that what you have got, put all the wealthy people together, it cannot buy what you've got. And it cannot buy you. Your wealth is more than all the riches of this earth put together. That's your worth. That's your value. Let's continue. Go. Rich man. Proud man. Wise man. You must die like all the rest. You have no greater lease on life than foolish, stupid men. You must leave your wealth Is it a fact? Do you know that all the things you are working for, when you write your will, you can't have your name on your will? Ah, but does it make sense? You work for it. So you should put your name on it and take the chunk of it and say, okay, so me, I'll give even these small, small ones to them. But you can't even have your name on it. But you work for it. So what it means is that all these days you are working, you've been working for them. It hasn't dawned on you. All these days, yes. Come to church. You said, oh, no, I'm going to get that money. All of that, you are doing it for them. And you don't even know how they will spend it. As a matter of fact, some of them will go and buy brandy with that money. And then when they drink and they will say, Kwasia. Wabre na mi <laughs> Somebody put your hand on your head and say, Lord, have mercy. Okay, Con let's continue. Look at what it says. Go. You name your estates after yourselves as though your lands could be forever yours and you could live on them eternally. But man, with all his pomp, must die like an animal. Continue. Such is the folly of these men. Though after they die, they will be quoted as having great wisdom. <laughs> Death is the shepherd of all mankind. And in the morning, those who are evil will be the slaves of those. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The evil and the good here, he's not talking about what you do or what you don't do. He's talking about the saved and the unsaved. That's what he's talking about. Let's go. For the power of their wealth is gone. When they die, they cannot take it with them. But as for me, God will redeem my soul from the power of death for he will receive me. Oh, hallelujah! That is my plight. That is my state and status. 
That's why when I see the unbeliever, no matter what they are and who they are, I pity them. Because what I have is much less. It's unparalleled. God will redeem. So let's continue. He says, so do not be dismayed when evil men grow rich and build their lovely homes. For when they die, they carry nothing with them. Their owners will not follow them. Though a man calls himself happy all through his life, and the world loudly applauds success. You see what you call success? <laughs> Yet, in the end, he dies like everyone else and enters eternal darkness. For man with all his pomp must die. That's, an, that's a repetition for you. Emphasis. That is the plight of the unbeliever. How do you envy such a person? They need Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's why you don't get intimidated by them. You go to them. Tell them about Christ. Let them know they need him. They really need him. Because their world can buy them that. There's something bigger. There's something greater. There's something higher. And you have that one. Oh, praise the Lord. Let me show you the next thing that motivated the apostles. They have the heart of the believer. Say the heart of the believer. Say it like you mean it. Say the heart of the believer. Alright. Look at Apostle Paul's heart. Look at Romans chapter 9 verse 1 to 3. He says, Oh Israel, my people, oh my Jewish brothers, how I long for you to come to Christ. My heart is heavy within me. And I grieve bitterly. Day and night because of you. Christ knows. And the Holy Spirit knows. That it is no mere pretense. When I say that I would be willing to, forever, to be forever damned. If that would save you. Hello? Can you, can you feel the pulse of Apostle Paul? Let's read it again. He says, Christ and the Holy Spirit knows that it is no mere pretense. When I say that, I would be willing to be forever damned if that will save you. Ask them, is that your heart? In other words, if I even have to lose my salvation for you to have it, I, I would love it. In other words, I want to do anything that will get you saved. Because that is what is going to give me joy and fulfillment. I don't have any other desire apart from this. Ask the next person, is that your heart? Tell them, this is what Christianity is all about. Tell them, please. You see, it is not about coming to sit in church. Oh. No. It, no. It goes beyond that. When you come here, you come and learn what you need to learn, and then you go, are you getting the point, and use it to win souls for Christ. That's it. That's it. And we keep growing. We keep multiplying. That's it. We make our world a better place. Praise God. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Mark chapter 6. Verse 34. Let's all read it. Go. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great 
multitude and was moved with what? Compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. When you see the unsaved, are you moved with compassion? Then something is lost. If you are comfortably able to just flow and feel free, and nothing pricks you in your heart that they are like a sheep without a shepherd. In a second, when this guy dies, that's it. What can I do? If, if you don't feel that compassion Jesus felt, I don't know how you got born again. Listen, if there's something you have to cry for, cry for souls. You are crying that you don't have money. You are crying that you can't pay your school fees. That is what brings you tears. Apostle Paul says you have misplaced priority. He said, let your cry be for souls. <laughs> Listen to me very carefully. When you seek first the kingdom, all these things shall be added. I can promise you. You see, when we are talking about wealth, it's not like that, oh, wealth is not going to come to us. No, as for wealth, it will come. But the wealth that is coming to us, we are not slaves to wealth. Do you understand the point? And wealth doesn't give us our worth. That's why we don't boast about wealth. Because you boast about things that gives you worth. So money is your slave. Money is not your master. So when you are always crying about money, then you have made money your master. And the church has made worldly things our master. Check out the Christians in Acts. They were not content to meet once a week for service as usual. Check them out. Look at what they did. They met daily. Acts chapter 246. Let's read it. Go. With one accord, they continued to meet daily in the temple court and to break bread from house to house, sharing their meals with gladness and sincerity Oh, praise God. Look at the next. They care daily. Say they care daily. Daily, oh, daily. We're talking about daily. They were living life for the gospel daily. On the daily, it's their culture. Look at what it is. Acts 6, 3 to 4. It says what? Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit of and spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Hello. They are saying, this is not the main focus. People are aggrieved. So let's care for them. But let's make sure our attention does not move from the real thing. Most of us in our churches today, our attention is not on the ministry of the word and prayer. Our attention is on welfare. Oh, hello. 
Did he say they should abandon welfare? But he says that is not the prior. Are you getting the point? First things must always be done first. Look at the next. They search the scriptures daily. Let's read it. Go. Now the Berian Jews were of more noble character than those in so he is doing comparison. Is that right? Is that right? Between the church in Thessalonia, Thessalonica and then the church in Berian. Okay, so what was the difference? Go. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I saw a post on Facebook. And uh, <laughs> do you know that Apostle Paul, who became converted after Peter, you know that. You know Peter worked with. And if you read Galatians, publicly, Apostle Paul looked at Peter and said, Peter, what you are preaching is wrong. I said, publicly. <laughs> yes, publicly. I said, what you are preaching is wrong. Let this happen today. <laughs> I... <laughs> I said, let this happen today in today's church. They will curse you with every curse. <laughs> and they will say, you are this lawyer. But the point is, when it comes to the gospel, there is no compromise. Are you hearing me? And look at these guys. They were making sure that even Apostle Paul, the apostle of the good news, will not lie to them. When I preach and you are leaving the temple and somebody says, what pastor said today, hey, it's, let's check the scripture for ourselves. He said, does I care? <laughs> does I care? The point is, you don't even care whether it's true or not. Jesse. <laughs> Let him just speak and get out, man. The Lord have mercy. Tell the next person, I repent. Please tell them like you mean it. Let us search the script. Let us discuss it. Because listen to me very carefully. In your day of trouble, you will see that you need it. Listen, there is nothing more valuable than the word you have in your spirit. That will save you. That will save you. Listen, do you know that you can be a pastor and you can preach the word, but you don't have the word in your spirit? Let's ask 16.5. What, what did they do? Let's go. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. And what happened? And grew. So if you see a healthy church, what does a healthy church do? It grows what? 
daily in. They sect there. They meet to care for them. Are you getting? They are telling you as all the indications of a healthy church. Their focus is on the ministry of the word and prayer. It's not on picnics and no. Those are side stuff. They are not the main deals. Listen. Because the risen Christ was a living reality to them. And his resurrection power was at work in their lives through the spirit. That is why they were behaving the way they were behaving. Some of us still don't even believe Christ died. In our minds, we are still coming to terms with whether this thing is, is it, 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 you're struggling. So it cannot be a reality. It can be in your spirit. But for them, they knew that they know that they know that they know that this is true. This is real. So his resurrection power was at work in their lives. May his resurrection power work in you. May your belief in his death, burial, and resurrection be resolute. Resolute. Those believers had the mind and the heart of Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not, but have he. So God's love is equal to what? Eternal life for the, believer, for the unbeliever. Praise God. Share God's love. Share God's love. Share God's love. Share God's love. Now, I'm going to show you people like A.B. Simpson and all of those great guys and look at their quotes. I'm going to bring their quotes and then we're going to end this in five minutes. People like A.B. Simpson. Look at what they said. Go. A.B. Simpson agonized in prayer over the nations where Jesus Christ was not exalted. Yes. So this guy would only pray that nations will be saved for Christ. Wherever he saw that Christ was not exalted, all his prayer would be that may Christ be exalted in that nation. May Christ be lifted in that nation. Hassan Taylor's nightmare featured millions tumbling into the chasm of hell. When they sit down, this is what shakes them. Hey! So all these people are going, no, we can't allow it. Lord, intervene. Lord, let your mercy. Lord, let your grace. Lord, reveal yourself to them. That is their prayer. As for you, even your fasting, you are fasting for a car. How would you go and win a rich unbeliever? Because he doesn't even fast for a car. What you fast for? They just go and buy. And if that is all your God gives, why should they come to your God? Then they don't need your God. Charles Finney, watch this. Read it, go. Charles Finney wept at the thought of people Facing what? Christless eternity. Look at what engaged their minds. Look at what engaged their minds. Charles Coleman, a missionary to Japan, declared, what did he declare? Go. By the help of God, they shall hear, if it cost every drop of my life's blood, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. May that be somebody's passion. May that be somebody's prayer. May this be everything you dream of.
Charles Spurgeon. What did he say? Look, he said what? Speaking to the church said, As Rachel cried, Give me children or I die. So may none of you be content to be barren in the household of God. Where is your child? Where is your spiritual child? Where are your spiritual children? You've been a Christian for how many years now? Tell me how many children you have. Tell me. Tell me. How many? How many? When you cry, God, you are unfair. Yes, you have given this, this person this. You have not given me this. You see how low this relationship we have with him is. How low? How low? It's not our fault, though. That's what the fathers have taught us. Let's come back. Let's come back. If you see them at prayer comes, what do they want? Tell me, what do they want? What are they looking for? We have lost our bearings. We have lost our focus. Cry and sigh until you have snatched some brand from the burning and have brought at least one sinner to Christ Jesus. May that be your prayer. Grace, glorious grace, grace, glorious grace, at the cross you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth.